On that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since it took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. great stuff let's just pray together father we thank you for your word and thank you that we can read it for ourselves and we pray that as we've read this passage together that as we spend some time just thinking about these amazing incidents lord that you'll speak to us each one of us And by your spirit, you'll do something new in our hearts this morning. That we might be a people filled with your spirit, but also molded by your word, your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you remember the Vicar of Dibley uh, TV sitcom? It was based on the life of one of the first women vicars in the UK, a lady called Joy Carol Wallace. And Joy Wallace tells the story of when she was a priest in Brixton, and uh, one of her congregation was a very godly 87-year-old woman called Florrie Shaw. Now, Florrie uh, got seriously ill, and she underwent a serious operation, and she was told that she might not come through it. And she was okay with that. Thankfully, she survived the operation. And as she opened her eyes for the very first time, everything was a bit blurred. And she saw her consultant dressed in his white sort of coat and the big lights of of the room. And uh, she obviously thought she was in heaven because she smiled and said, Hello, God, I'm Florrie Shaw. And two things that strike me about Florrie's reaction is this. One, her amazing humility, because uh, she didn't expect God to know her by name. But secondly, the more important thing, her absolute certainty about the resurrection and that she was going to meet God himself. Brilliant. One of our own heroes of faith, David, and it was shared at uh, David's funeral service near the end days when he knew he was going home and and Jenny said to him, "Um, I think you're getting better. And he said, oh no, you're joking, aren't you? He just wanted to be home with Jesus. The physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is, has always been, and will always be the cornerstone of Christianity. Had Jesus just died on the cross and been buried, he may have been remembered as a good man, a great prophet, a miracle worker, but we would not be here today. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Philip Yancey says there are two ways to look at human history. One way is to see the world as we view it night by night on our television screens, on the news, with its wars and violence and squalor and pain and tragedy and death. And from such a viewpoint, the Easter story seems like a kind of fairy tale, an exception, a stunning contradiction. But if we see world history and everything and the center point of the resurrection, then everything changes. If that is our starting point, then the incontrovertible fact is that God loves us. And human history becomes the contradiction because Easter is the preview of the ultimate reality. This world and all that is happening day by day is not the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality is that God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth, a recreation, a new creation. And it began on the day Jesus walked out of the grave. It changed everything. And Yancey says, hope then flows like lava beneath the crust of daily life. I used to love geography, so I love that description. Hope flows like lava beneath the crust of daily life. 
And when you read the resurrection story, I love the resurrection stories, don't you? All of that, just brilliant. Don't know if you've got a favorite. But the change that happens in the disciples' lives, there are those who are sat in the room with the locked windows and the locked doors. They don't know what to do. And then there are these two that we are told about by Luke. On their way, they're they're leaving. They're leaving Jerusalem. As far as they could see, nothing has changed. Rome still occupies Palestine. Death and evil still reigns. But as we read this story, gradually something changes. Do you ever wonder that it must have been a really busy day for Jesus, that first Easter day? We pick up this story in Luke 24, and Luke is the only one who records this story, although it's, it's sort of referred to in Mark's Gospel. But it's a beautiful story of the resurrection appearance to two largely unknown disciples. We we don't know about, we only know one of their names, Cleopas. It's believed that they were husband and wife, but we're not sure. But they're on their way home, back to Emmaus, seven miles away from Jerusalem. And they're going home disillusioned full of despair. They're talking about all the events that have happened in the last few days. The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. How he rode on that that colt of a donkey and all the crowds singing and the palm branches and, and Jesus saying to people, well, if the crowds don't cry out, the very stones will cry out as he declares that he is the king that is coming. But then the horrific moment of the arrest and the trial, and the flogging, and the crucifixion of Jesus. Nothing has changed. Even the empty tomb. They're still walking away. Their faces downcast. And as they journey, as they just walk along talking, Jesus comes alongside. It's just brilliant. Jesus just comes alongside them. But they don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. And it's a mystery, isn't it? Why, why don't they re- I mean, Mary doesn't recognize him. And when he appears on the beach, they don't immediately recognize him. And here the two don't immediately recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. And it's a mystery, whether it's the resurrection body of Jesus, whether it's the evening light, whether it's their heaviness of heart. You know what it's like when you're consumed with something that's, you're in despair. You can't see anything else. We don't know. But they were kept from recognizing Jesus. And he asked them, what are you talking about? I'm sure he knew, but he asked them, what are you talking about? And one of them we're told his name, Cleopas. And he's amazed. Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has been happening? And Jesus says, what things? I just think it's brilliant, isn't it? Jesus himself, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he was a prophet, and maybe more than a prophet. 
No one taught like him. No one said the things he did. He had authority. He had love and truth and grace about him. And the miracles he did. No one ever did the things that Jesus did. And then the key thing that they say, we had hopes. We had hopes that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. The Messiah who had come, liberate us. Redeem Israel. Kick the Romans out. All that kind of stuff. Pagan oppression. But he, he was handed over by our religious leaders to the Romans. And he was killed. Not only killed, he was crucified. He was stripped naked and just killed like a common criminal. Hung up there. And it's the third day since it happened. And they're in despair. And some women went to the tomb this morning and they found the body gone. It wasn't there. And they told us that they saw angels who said that he was alive, but they didn't see him. I find it fascinating that these two disciples are leaving. Even though the tomb was empty. Even though the women had seen angels and the angels had said, he's alive. It wasn't enough for them. And it isn't enough as proof for the resurrection. An empty tomb. Angels. Nothing has changed, really, for them. That's why they were leaving. We had hopes, but those hopes were dashed. It's interesting that soon they would say that they crucified him and that's how he redeemed Israel. But before they said they crucified him and we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. They didn't know that everything has changed. And I love the way that Jesus wants to bring them back to Jerusalem. He wants to bring them back to Jerusalem because in Jerusalem he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. In Jerusalem it's going to be the starting point for the worldwide mission. And he wants them back. And so loving, so gracious is Jesus that he just goes after these two on the way to Emmaus. And sometimes in our lives, in our Christian walks, we feel like leaving. We had hopes. We had dreams. But nothing's changed. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. Because Jesus is alive. And then Luke describes that spine-tingling story as Jesus gives them a Bible study. And this, I believe, is a model in some ways that Luke gives us for what being a Christian disciple is about. 
that Jesus warms our hearts when we read his word, when we focus on his truth that is above the despair of our lives, and that he reveals himself as bread is broken and calls us back, calls us back as he called these disciples back, he calls you and I back again and again and again because we've taken perhaps our eyes off him. Come back to see him, to know him, to love him. They had not remembered his words. See, Jesus always kept his word. When he said something, it happened. When he said someone was going to be healed, they were healed. When he said at the very first miracle in Cana, take the water jars and serve it to the host of the banquet. And they did. And it turned into the best wine that they'd ever tasted. When he was coming into Jerusalem and he said, go and borrow a colt. And they found it, just as he said. When he said, go and find an upper room that's been furnished, they found it just as he said. Jesus never breaks his promise. He always fulfills what he says. And time and time again, he had told the disciples, I will be crucified, but on the third day, I will rise again. But they'd forgotten what he said, because dead men don't rise. Like everybody else, these two disciples had been reading the Bible through the wrong end of a telescope. And Jesus begins to explain from the scriptures from beginning to end, Moses and the prophets. And not just a few isolated texts, those wonderful ones that we read at carol services. The virgin will go birth. He will be born in Bethlehem. All those wonderful prophecies. But every scripture, the whole of the Old Testament points to him. Points to him. When you read the Old Testament, read it and say, I want to see Jesus here. Because it all points to Jesus. And he took them through the most amazing Bible study. Don't we wish we had been there? Everything has changed. Because the king has come to seek and save the lost to a dying world. He has come to redeem Israel through his suffering, through sacrifice. And through his sacrifice and resurrection, there is a new creation, a new people, a new kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has broken out on the earth. And Jesus, again, just so lovely to read this. He acts as if he's going further. He's not going any further, but he acts as if he's going further. Almost as if he's waiting for the invitation. Stay. Stay with us. That's what the disciples, those disciples just said. They don't recognize him yet, but there's something, there is something here. Stay with us. And then he reveals himself. Amazing that he reveals himself as he takes bread 
as he'd probably done on lots of times, and he breaks it, and he gives thanks, and he shares it with them. And then they recognize him. Then it's revealed. Then the lights go on and their eyes can see. And it's my prayer that our eyes will be open to see Jesus afresh this day. As when we share this bread and this cup, we remember Jesus. It's a mystery why they didn't recognize him before. They were kept, it says. And perhaps we'll never unravel that until we too have our resurrection bodies. Luke's encouragement is this, to seek his presence. To seek the Lord's guidance whenever we open his word and we pray, stay. Jesus, stay with me. It's an invitation that he never refuses. Oh, on, that, on our Alpha course, there's some people are so close. They just have to say, stay. Or I trust you. So close. It's an invitation Jesus never, ever refuses. And with him at our side, as with those disciples, didn't our hearts burn within us? As Jesus leads us to the place where we can see him. And then he just disappears. That's amazing, isn't it? Have you never read that bit? He breaks bread with them, they see him, and then he just disappears. That's amazing. Resurrection body. And they begin to say, were not our hearts on fire when he spoke on the road with us? When we didn't really see him, but weren't our hearts on fire? The Jesus who has always been with us, yet we fail to recognize. You know, Jesus has always been with you. He has always walked with you. He has never taken his eyes off you, ever. Even when you did not recognize him, he was there. But when you turn and you encounter him, as John Wesley found his Emmaus Road in London on May the 24th, 1738, disillusioned on his religion-based works, empty inside, just reading Luther's preface of the commentary on Romans. He wasn't even reading the Bible. He was reading a commentary. And he wasn't reading the commentary. He was reading the preface of the commentary. And God spoke to him that he was a child of the living God. And he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And he went on to be used by God to change this nation along with others. I pray that there'll be some here this morning, your hearts will be strangely warmed and God will use you to change a nation.
And for those of you who just said, oh, he can't do that. Yes, he can. And Wesley says, I felt I did trust Christ. And maybe some of you need to come to that just that moment. Yeah, I I do trust Christ with everything. No matter the stuff that's going on. Humanly, I would be in despair, but I trust. Because everything has changed because Jesus is alive. Whether it's a Damascus road or Emmaus road. Jesus wants to meet with us. And then they leg it back to Jerusalem. The journey must have taken ages to come out of Jerusalem going to Emmaus, trudging along, trudging along. Then they can't wait to get back because everything has changed. Jesus has won the victory over death itself. And they know it's true. If God can do that, then hope is rekindled for everything. We had hopes. They go back. He's alive. And as they get back to the other 11, they're already saying, yes, it's true. He's appeared to Simon. It's true. And if you read on in the passage while they're still talking about it's true, Jesus is alive, Simon met him. We met him on the road. We saw him when he broke bread. It was amazing. And then Jesus appears in the midst of them through the locked doors and says, peace be with you and tells them of the mission that he's going to give them. And some of them think he's a ghost and he has to say helpfully, I am not a ghost. It's always really helpful. And to prove it, he says, touch my hands. Touch my side. If that's not enough, give me some of your fish and I'll eat it in front of you. Don't let anyone ever tell you this resurrection is just a spiritual thing. It is a physical reality. Jesus rose from the dead. And yes, his resurrection body was different. He could just disappear And he could appear in the room. But it was physical, solid, and the same Jesus they knew. Peace be with you. And he commissions them to be his witnesses. And this day, we are too invited to know Jesus in breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. As Jesus himself said, do this in remembrance of me. Still, this remains the central sacrament for those who follow Jesus. And sometimes we get accustomed to it. But this day, I'm praying that you will meet with Jesus in this. That his bread is broken. And you receive Christ. You will have a fresh revelation. And be able to trust him no matter what. And although Jesus is not physically present with us, he is here by his Holy Spirit. And that was another promise that he made. I will send you another like me to be with you forever. 
the Holy Spirit is here. And so his invitation is come to me. If you're weary and burdened, come to me this morning. If you're in despair this morning, come to me. If you had hopes and dreams, come to me. Because everything has changed. This resurrection is rooted in history, grounded in the scriptures, and confirmed by a personal encounter with Jesus and a transformation. So come. As Jesus invites us to come. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite the band to come and lead us in a few songs as we respond. But let's just pray. Father, we come and we have worshipped and we come now to share in this bread and this cup. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We acknowledge that you are the saviour of the world. You're our saviour. You're our risen Lord. And we want to encounter you day by day. Today, as we share this bread and this cup, we ask that you will meet with us. Holy Spirit, will you come? Holy Spirit, you who reveal Jesus to our hearts, our minds, our spirits. You who witness with our spirit that we belong, that we're accepted, that we're children of God. Holy Spirit, will you come? as we share this bread and this cup. That we might be a people who believe and live as those who believe in the resurrection to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.